You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Tanya Pinkins. Welcome back to You Can't Say That. This is part two of my conversation with my good girlfriend, Shakina Nafak. And I mean, I remember I was doing a play out in California and I just saw this movie. It's fantastic. It's called The Shakedown. Mm. If you can see it. I don't know. Have you ever been to The Catch in L.A.? Uh, on, no, I haven't. Pico? Uh-huh. Okay, so The Catch is a club and different nights are different things. Like one night I showed up looking for one thing and it was like neo-Nazi night and Ooh. people were there with gas masks on. And you know what? I stayed <laughs> and played because <laughs> I'm that girl. But when I first went there, I went there. It was B.O.I. night. And I did not know what a B.O.I. was, but I was playing a B.O.I. in a play. And so I went into this club and was like, I was told that it was um, women who identify as men and they do not want a lesbian. They want a woman. They're not looking for a lesbian. They want a woman. And so it was like, you know, the video vixens and the B.O.I.s. And I just went in and let myself get picked up. And I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so I got it. Like I am so about having a spectrum of identities and, and being able to, you know, I think we all should just be able to suck and fuck whatever we want, whenever we want without yeah, it having to have be an identity. Right. And wear whatever clothes we want to wear and use whatever pronouns we want to use, because honestly, it's not doing any harm to anyone. Yes. It's just people who are sort of, you know, obsessively puritanical about archaic gender roles and, and, you know, sexual binaries who fear that because we exist as transgressors and expose the fallibility of those binaries, that we will totally disrupt the moral order of things. And well, we gonna have to talk about this because you got like how many degrees you got? I know I got a lot. I don't know. I have a, <laughs> a yeah. I have a I have a PhD and an MFA. And, so we go, we gonna go in, we gonna get intellectual because you know I just came back from Korea where you know all the BTFs people they wear lipstick they wear eyeshadow they are beautiful and ain't nobody even questioning what is their gender they you know what I mean they they look good <laughs> makeup <laughs> makes people look good less you know I understand when people get the religious you know God said Muhammad said Allah said. There was something in the paper the other day that talked about um, people who go to cults Mm -hmm. and how it is a need 
to not have to deal with the complexity of thinking. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, look at the look at Trumpism. You know, I mean, authoritarianism in, in general, you know, thrives off the simplification of social problems with a clear enemy and a clear alliance and one person who has the solution to everything. And yeah, so, I, you know, I mean, that's why I, I love being trans and why I think transness is so radical is because the male-female binary one could argue is the primary social divide upon which all other social divides are built. And you could also say that black and white is the primary, you know, uh, social divide. So there are, there, you could look at these different sort of um, ruling binaries as the source of all the other oppressive social systems that kind of spill down from there. Because once you split people into these two groups and you have one over the other, then you can continue <laughs> to do that down and down and down until everyone's divided and set against each other. And the possibility of, you know, achieving liberty or um, social equality becomes harder and harder and harder the more of these power imbalances you create in society. And what transness does is it just, and, and also non-binary identity also, it just says, sorry, you were wrong. Like, there's more <laughs> than two. It's not a binary. You yes. Know. <laughs> and, you know, I just this year have been learning about the, the Alistair Crawley Toth Tarot. Do you know oh, anything sure. about the Toth Tarot? So it's new for me this year. And I'm in a program where we're reading about it and we pull a card every day. And I am fascinated by the fact that he redid the art of the Toth Tarot because he believed we were coming into this new aeon where there was going to be a reconciliation of what are called opposites, a reconciliation of the binary. And I have this just knowing inside of myself that the what appears to be opposites are just the way on this plane we experience we experience things, that there is no opposites. And so I've been like learning a little Kabbalah and how the two is the three, which is the unity and the one. And so to me, transness is a greater reflection of the truth of what this species is. I totally agree. And also it's, you know, transness is not new. It has, it's having a new moment, you know, thanks to trans liberation, which owes its existence to queer liberation, uh, women's rights and civil rights. You know, we, we couldn't have gotten to this point of visibility without all these other social movements showing us how it's done and making headway so that we could do it in a much faster and grander way. But, um, but trans people and, and gender non-conforming people, people existing outside of the binary have existed for thousands of years. And in many indigenous cultures all around the world, those people have been uplifted as healers, as saints, as seers, you know, because they are able to bridge a divide that most people can't fathom bridging. And the fact is we can actually, I think, heal ourselves if we can embrace more of those. I mean, because we all are everything, you know, yeah. I got so much masculine energy in me. You got a big dick, Tanya. I do have a big dick. Sometimes I have the biggest dick in the room. That's and right. there's only people with <laughs> biological dicks in the room. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> now, I know that you were going to have a play that happened, uh, it was going to be a, you know, that place. Yeah. Yes. 
And is there, I mean, talk about this play because I love this play. I oh, love, I'm so glad you love this play. So I love the play, this play. The play is called Chonburi International Hotel and Butterfly Club. And it's um, based off the um, the true story of my journey to Thailand for gender confirmation, where I stayed in this hotel with a bunch of other women who were also going through gender confirmation. And it was this, this hotel right alongside the clinic where we all stay post-recovery. And I... I wanted to write like a love letter to them, but also a love letter to the great American theater. And so I looked at um, Stage Door, this iconic play from the um, you know early mid 19th century and, uh, and thought like, wow, you know, instead of a bunch of like chatty actresses living in a hotel in Chelsea, can, like what if it was a bunch of chatty trans women staying in a hotel in Thailand while their new pussies heal? And so it's sort of this like, um, sepia-toned kind of um, homage to that that great American hotel comedy, uh, but with really contemporary characters and social issues uh, because I was trying to unpack not only the dynamics between this international community of trans women, but also the Thai um, healthcare workers and sex workers that I met and engaged with when I was over there. And um, a really sort of lovely temporary community that constantly recycles itself as new people come in and out. And thankfully, uh, Mandy Greenfield, the artistic director of Williamstown Theater Festival, is a hustler like none other. And she, um, when um, the shutdown began, she coordinated with Audible to bring the whole summer season to Audible. Oh my God! So, yeah, so this December... Um, the first four of the eight plays set to premiere at Williamstown are now are going to be on Audible, including Audra McDonald's Streetcar, which is just going to be so crazy and cool. But my play, Chumbury International Hotel and Butterfly Club, comes out on December 29th. So it's a great way to out with the old and in with the new, you know, get that I pussy. And Thank you. And it's so great. On, uh, Will on it be an audio. all trans cast? Because I saw a reading when the whole cast was trans. It's not all trans. There are cis actors in the play, but there are nine of the 13 actors are trans, um, and including one cis role played by a trans woman. Okay. Now you mentioned sex workers, and I don't know a lot about that. And there's, you know, and some of my friends who work in activism and stuff in community, they have a problem with this idea of sex work. Can you also like edify me more on this? concept of sex work because for people who work in trafficking it's like whoa 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 what is this sex work you know these people are you know talk to me about that sure well i mean i think human trafficking and sex work are two different things there's um and and maybe where they the venn diagram where they connect is exploitation but um not all sex work is exploitative um sex work is work a blowjob is a job and it's like they call it the oldest profession for a reason. And especially in today's day and age where I would venture to assume that 95% of people over the age of 12 have engaged with pornography in some way or another, uh, that it's time for us to acknowledge that the entertainers um, you know, bringing us that entertainment deserve the right to unionize, um, deserve you know, protection in the workplace. Um, and, uh, you know, I come from a background in um, harm reduction, which asks like, how can we look at um, high risk behaviors in society and 
do um, things to lower the risk involved. And so legalizing sex work, um, unionizing sex work are great ways to ensure that the people who engage in sex work have the protections that everyone else has at their jobs. But what would do you have any thoughts about how do we also protect people who might be being trafficked into sex work and like their their you know their passports been taken away. They actually don't have a choice about it. Sure. How do we distinguish that when they've got somebody who's threatening them that you better say this is your choice? Well, actually, I think that legalizing it and unionizing it gives strength to sex workers to um, to take care of themselves. Um, and it's different than people who've been kidnapped and forced into prostitution. And so I and and I think like having more, um, you know, legitimizing um, folks's uh, choice to go into sex work will then expose in a different way the. People who aren't going and buying it in a legal way versus people who are going. And I mean, we've got to acknowledge that there are people who have some crazy, you know, not healthy kinks that are into violating children. And so that's never going to be legalized. That's That's never going to be unionized. That's never going to be okay. Yeah. Like, you know, there are and and, and we need to kind of tease tease those things apart because um, it's like it's it's in 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 a strange way. It's almost like the same logic behind oh no if we let trans women into women's restrooms then rapists are going to come into women's restrooms um <laughs> rapists are not trans women and trans women are not rapists for the for the most part you know and so it, we need to remember that we're having two different conversations then there's the conversation about human trafficking which is really important and needs more resources and needs more attention i actually um donate regularly to an organization called truckers against trafficking which is a um a nonprofit organization that teaches um, truck drivers who go across the country how to recognize signs of human trafficking mm. and report them. because oftentimes it's at places like rest stops and truck stops where you know someone's being let out to use the restroom or someone's being prostituted out and it's clear that that they don't have consent in the situation um, so you know we need more uh, tools for combating human trafficking um, and if we just allowed sex workers to thrive in their business then we could actually devote more resources toward um, hunting out and finding these human traffickers because we wouldn't spend so much time like arresting women who are giving hand jobs for 20 bucks. Right. And I think this takes us back to thinking, you know, there's the, the, all of the things about equating apples with oranges is this, these logic fallacies. And, you know, I, 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 I went to law school, I took the LSAT, logic fallacies are really hard to distinguish from truths. Or, That's right. And 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 I'm I I think I'm a pretty smart person and I could not do it. And so I am always having to constantly study the various kinds of logic fallacies which lawyers use all the time to convince juries to convince people that things that actually make no sense make sense. And what you're talking about is a lot is called a straw man argument. And mm. so you know so much of capitalism is about extracting the most out of things and actually investing in the failure of humanity for the purpose of some people getting a lot of wealth. That's right. And our need to be able to think. And yes, thinking is a is a labor, but our capitalist system doesn't even train us to do that. 
No, they actually, uh, you know, capitalism insists on the eradication of critical thinking, which is why you can see in the late capitalism, which is where we are, um, that uh, that our educational institutions are under attack because people don't want to raise critical thinkers in a society that depends on a sort of placated and obedient worker. And and just being a consumer, just consume, 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 numbing, right. mind-numbingly cons- consumption. That's right. Yeah, and it is it is addictive. Consumption is an addiction uh, and a drug, and you know it it literally operates in the brain the same way that uh, heroin operates in terms of like dopamine triggers. So, you know, we um, in our society are perpetually intoxicated you know uh, and 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 the idea of I just saw I just saw an ad um, because you know we're coming up on all the Thanksgiving sales um, and I saw this ad that was like buy more save more <laughs> and I was like, no that's just not true it's just not true <clears throat> because it's you know and but we we are like trapped in that sort of hamster wheel you know, of, uh, yeah, the logical fallacy. And our brains actually, like, feed on that thing. Well, it's propaganda, you know. It's, it works, it's held though, up. but it works. It works. It works. And, and the thing is that there is, you know, it's not just happenstance. There, there is, you know, there are research companies and think tanks that have been doing this kind of uh, capitalist propaganda for, you know, at least 100 years now to to figure out how to like draw attention to the masses and disassociate the exploitation behind the system so that you can like go to Target and get your like $20 top and not have to care about the children in China who made it in a factory or use your iPhone and the same, you know? Um, So that, separation and you see that also in the meat industry you know it basically and, and and all of these things uh you know without question just continue it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I knew we would have a lively conversation. We've mm-hmm. gone so many good places. We have. Um, there was something that just came up in my mind I wanted to ask you about. Oh, tell me something that was the worst thing that ever happened to you that turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to you. Wow. That's a great question. Um, uh, my mind goes to 
my first job in New York. You might remember this from my first solo show, One Woman Show, which you came and reviewed. So I was observing Michael Mayer on A Clear Day You Can See Forever and the pre-Broadway workshop. And I had also reached a point in my life where I realized that I no longer wanted to be taking psychopharmaceuticals because I saw Next to Normal five times and realized that like, oh, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me other than the fact that I'm trans and people don't know how to deal with it. And so it was the summer of 2010. It was my first job in New York. And I was coming off of these meds, having a total manic episode while trying to be an, uh, an unobtrusive observer in this Broadway rehearsal room. Um, but at the same time, I had just come to New York and said, like, all I want to do is wear sundresses and go to Central Park and Broadway shows. And I like it was like the summer that like hair and American Idiot and um, I don't remember what else. And Next Normal. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I and I did it. I had this glorious like coming into myself New York moment where I went to Backwoods in Port Authority and I bought some sundresses and I was wearing them out and just having the time of my life. And then I had to go sit in the rehearsal room in like a button down shirt and slacks and be professional. <sighs> and, um, and it was uh, terrible and terrifying. And also I had no self-control because of like the mania of coming off of these, these drugs. And so I, I was like, you know, behaving erratically and inappropriately and like couldn't be small in the corner. I kept taking up space and was aware of it, but also felt un- it felt unstoppable. And um, and then I moved back to L.A. after that that workshop. And I thought like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to work again. Like no one's ever going to hire me in New York. And the one ally that I had in Michael Mayer is like for sure going to be totally ashamed of me. And um, and then he ended up writing me a letter of recommendation to that fellowship of Barrington where I met you when I was with the family. And it really unlocked, you know, it really gave me the, um, the courage to come back to New York and be my true self and come out as trans in the Broadway community and really lead that charge. So um, it was super painful and super hard, but then it, it really laid the foundation for the rest of my life. So let me ask you this, because I always wonder about people who are taking medication, you know, I, and were you being medicated because you wanted to be trans? Were you being medicated because you were depressed because the world wouldn't accept you as trans? Help me understand why you were taking these medications, why you decided to get off of them. Are you off of them? I am off of them. It's been 10 years um, and I still struggle with anxiety and depression. Uh, it's sometimes feels, especially this year, like an uphill battle. Uh, but it was really important to me because when I was 15, I dropped out of high school and was institutionalized. I talk about this in Manifest Pussy. Um, and, and not because there was anything wrong with me, simply for the fact that I was like a young, queer, trans kid that no one knew what to do with. And, um, and so I, I, uh, I was put on all these medications and then spent the next 10 years of my life going on and off of them and and did the medications uh, help you in any way well they numbed me out they did prevent me sometimes from feeling too depressed and sometimes from feeling too anxious but other times they would make me you know feel super manic or make me feel numb and unable to create did they make the and other I, people around you feel better about you around i mean i'm, like, I'm trying to did this solve that, anything for thing. anyone <laughs> yeah no it didn't it didn't at all it didn't at all and um and i i want to be clear 
for for your listeners that I am a total advocate for the use of psychopharmaceutical medication in cases where it's warranted and needed. Um, I just feel like what happened to me was that instead of learning how to cope, I was just like ripped from the situation and numbed out. And so then what happened is I spent the next like 10, 15 years of my life, you know, facing difficult situations and only knowing the way out was to either was to was to cut and run, which is like the name of a song in my show, but like to literally just flee the situation or numb out. And it's taken a long time for me to actually confront that and learn how to work through and breathe through difficult situations in a in a healthy way, in a way that in which I'm engaging with my reality and the mm. people around me rather than just escaping. And um, and it's really challenging. It's an active practice, you know. Do you have some specifics about because this is something that I do as a discipline? Do you have some specifics about what your discipline is of I call it, you know, embracing what is? Sure. You know, I've had a few really wonderful spiritual teachers that I'm very grateful for who have, I guess, shown me different ways of, of um, resting in the present moment. And sometimes, sometimes that, um, that comes in the form of meditation and a more, you know, conventional understanding, but also um, for me, it can involve singing and dancing. Mm. Uh, those modes of expression are very soul unifying mm. for me. They like put me back in touch with my body in a way that is calming. Um, so, you know, I don't have like one specific discipline, but I trained for years beneath um, Master Diego Pinon in Mexico, who's the founder of Body Ritual Movement. And um, it's a it's sort of a dance ritual practice that draws from Japanese buto and indigenous Mexican uh, ritual dance, but um, it's very it's a very like um, it's about alchemy, and it's it's not so much about any specific form <sighs> as it is take in everything around you and make some fucking gold because you need to be able to offer something to other people. You need to be able to present a gift. Oh. You know, if, if you're not ready to present a gift from your heart at any given moment, then you're really wasting your life. And so, so that's the challenge is like in these terrible circumstances, how do you pick up the pieces and say like, I'm committing to gathering all of this and transforming it into something that is useful, into something that, that has value to be shared. I don't think we can go any further than that. Will you teach me that (laughs) kind of thing? Will you teach me that? Yeah, I would love to. You know, I used to do like a free Butoh class every year on my birthday. Which is coming up. Your birthday's coming up. I think it needs to be on Zoom. I think we need to have the Zoom class. December 8th. You got to do it. That's your gift to the world. Your birthday gift to the world. Okay. Well, it's also, my um, 40th birthday, and Daniel and I are going to Disney World in spite of COVID. But I will do, <laughs> I will do a Zoom Buto class in the morning from my hotel room for you and whoever else wants to come. I'm gonna make sure that this gets out before then. I'm gonna change my tracker so this gets out so everybody can have <laughs> this Buto class so we can learn to alchemize this moment that we're living in and give some gold back 
to the world. Oh my That's God, right. I love you so much, Shakina. I love you too, Tony. This has been such a gift. It has been a gift for me. Like I was nervous. I was like, you know, I I was telling a friend this morning before I got on the phone. I was like, I want to ask about turfs. And like, Tanya, I I don't want you to do that because you know that community could come down and they could destroy you. And I was like, just because you said that, I gotta go in. I gotta go in. I can't be living in fear. I got it. Right. <laughs> and I don't tow the party line. You know, th- that's one of the things that I love about both of us is that we do not tow the party line. Yeah. We are not here for respectability politics. We can talk about the shit. And just, I want to be clear, like for your listeners to get the real deal is that like, this is all we talk about when we hang out yep. anyway. So now we're just doing it on a podcast, but these are the conversations we always have. And it just fills me with hope and excitement. And uh, I love you. And I, I feel really honored to be a guest. Oh, I'm so happy that we had this. I feel like a burden lifted because this has been sitting on me for as a burden for a while. And I'm sorry that you and MJ, like I had put a burden on you guys. So I'm glad right. we got to do this because I know I'm not the only person feeling this. That's right. Well, I can't wait for this to come out. And so we can share it with people and be like, listen, get the details you need here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Shakina Nafak, we did mention that she's also the founder of the Music Theater Factory. I'm going to be on the Music Theater Factory. Uh, I don't know. Probably this won't come out before then. Um, you're listening to Tanya Pinkins. You can't say that on the Broadway Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins. This is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals. Edited by Derek Gunther. Music by Anthony Norman. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And visit me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about. For more information, visit bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.